thought for a moment there we were going to be unbalanced right instead of left this week, but last week I think it was this side was heavy and this side was light, or was one of these recent weeks anyway. I don't know, we just uh, can't quite keep the balance here, so uh have to work on that. Uh, well, this morning uh, we want to look at a, at a very uh, interesting uh, subject and a subject that's familiar at this time of the year, and it's going to be a Christmas lesson uh, entitled The Story of Bethlehem, based upon Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, but thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, a, to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Um, in 1865, the pastor of a church in Boston, Massachusetts, was helping with a Christmas Eve service in Bethlehem. And he later wrote about his feelings as he descended from Jerusalem into Bethlehem riding a horse, and he said, I remember standing in an old church in Bethlehem close to the spot where Jesus was born when the whole church was ringing hour after hour with splendid hymns of praise to God. How again and again it seemed as if I could hear voices I knew well telling each other of the wonderful night of the Savior's birth. Two years later in 1867, Philip Brooks put his pen to paper and wrote a little a special biblical song, and we sing it uh, uh, often at this time, entitled, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Uh, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wondering love. O morning stars together, proclaim the holy birth. And praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the glad Great glad tidings tell, O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Now these verses um, declare the heart of Christmas. It's a time of celebration, a time of salvation, a time of contemplation. And even long before Philip Brooks was even born, the prophet Micah put his pen to paper, wrote something about the little town of Bethlehem. And in these 40 brief words, Micah tells the story of a special town. And uh, though his words may be brief, they contain a wealth of spiritual truth. Now, as we've been studying the life of David, we come to this Christmas season, and we cannot help but think of Luke chapter 2 and verse 4, where it says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of and lineage of David. The city of David, Bethlehem. It's called the city of David because it was the place of David's birth. Uh, Bethlehem was also the birthplace of Christ. It was a small town about six miles south of Jerusalem. Uh, because he was of the house, as it says there in Luke 2.4, 
He means he was of the family and lineage. The lineage uh, gives to us the fact that he descended from David as his father or ancestor. And taking a Jewish census, families were kept distinct, and so all the it went to the place they went all went to the place uh, that their family had resided. And Joseph was of the family of David, and so he went up to the city of David. And it's not improbable that he might have also had a small paternal estate in Bethlehem that rendered his presence there even more desirable. So the story of Bethlehem is a special story. And we want to look at it this morning. It's been told and retold uh, uh, many, many times, uh, perhaps even in the uh, present uh, Christmas season. uh, You've heard uh, some things about it already. But we're living in a day when the real story of the birth of Jesus is often lost amid the trees and decorations, the shopping and the giving. Uh, Santa Claus and Rudolph and Frosty have eclipsed Jesus as the reason for the season. And we need to remember that Christmas means more than a pile of shredded wrapping papers and credit card bills. Uh, The story of Christmas is the story of a little town called Bethlehem. I want you to notice this morning, first of all, it is the story of a place. It is the story of a place. When Micah writes of Bethlehem, he writes about a small place that will produce great things. And while Bethlehem may have been a tiny little hamlet in the country of Israel, it had a colorful past, a brilliant future. You know, when we think of Bethlehem, all we think about is that Bethlehem is the birthplace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, in the history of that little town, there's a wealth of spiritual truth is there as well. It would do us well to, uh, to examine this place called Bethlehem. Notice, first of all, its location. The location, the town of Bethlehem, said located about five or six miles uh, south of Jerusalem. Uh, We do not know when the town was founded, but it was first mentioned in a letter from one of the kings of Palestine to uh, an Egyptian pharaoh in 1250 B.C. Uh, This would have been during the time of the judges. Uh, It would would seem that Bethlehem existed uh, when Israel invaded Canaan. Uh, So that's its location. Secondly, its meaning. Uh, The name Bethlehem means house of bread. Uh, We learned that when we uh, uh, studied the little book of Ruth. Uh, Bethlehem means the house of bread. And Micah also calls it by another name. If you notice there in Micah 5.2, it uh, is noted as uh, Bethlehem Ephrata. Ephrata means place of fruitfulness. And so how fitting that Jesus would be born there. After all, he is the bread of life. We've seen that in our study of the book of John, in John chapter 6 and verse 35. He promised that all who would eat that bread would never hunger again. He satisfies those who feed on him. Psalm 107 verse 9 says, For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. And he is the one who can take a barren life, change it, Uh, by His grace, turn it into a fruitful life for His glory. Now we notice thirdly, its first mention. You know, when we study the Bible, uh, it's often beneficial to examine when something is first mentioned. Uh, It's a principle of hermeneutics or Bible interpretation. The principle of 
first mentioned. Bethlehem is first mentioned in Genesis 35 and verses 16 through 20. Uh, in Genesis 35, let's just turn there for a moment. Uh, Genesis 35, and notice uh, where this uh, town is first mentioned. Genesis 35, verse 16. It says in Genesis uh, 35, verse 16, And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass, as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. And Rachel died and was buried in the way of uh, to Ephrath, Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar upon her grave, and that is the pillar of Rachel's grave unto this day. Jacob and his family journeyed home to Canaan. Rachel goes into labor, gives birth to Benjamin. Rachel dies in childbirth, and as she's dying, she calls her son's name, Benoni. That means son of my sorrow. Son of my sorrow. Rachel was buried outside of Bethlehem. Jacob changed the name of his son to Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Son of my right hand. Bethlehem is first mentioned in a very negative context, and it's associated with sorrow and death. Now, Jesus can take a place associated with grief and suffering, and he can turn it into a place associated with glory. And while he was here on earth, Jesus was a man of sorrows, a man of sorrows. It says in Isaiah 53, uh, the one who created the universe had nowhere to lay his head, tells us in Matthew chapter 8, verse 20. Uh, The one who left heaven above to come and die for his people was rejected by the very people he came to reach. In John chapter 1, verse 11. He knew pain and sorrow, for in the end he was crucified for the sins of the world. Isaiah 53 again. And so he was our Benoni. He was our uh, son of my sorrow. But thank God the story doesn't end with Jesus on the cross. He died, was buried, but he rose again on the third day. He then ascended back into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down at the right hand of God, and he ever makes intercession for you and me. So he is our son, the son of the right hand. And so what a wonderful connection there is here, even in the passage that is the first mention. Now, we next come to... uh, Bethlehem's associations. And there are a number of associations that we find uh, in Scripture uh, concerning Bethlehem. Uh, First, there's a judge of Israel. One of the judges of ancient Israel was a man by the name of uh, Ibzan, and he was from Bethlehem. Judges 12, 8 through 10 says, and after him is Ibzan of Bethlehem judged Israel, and he had 30 sons and 30 daughters, whom he sent abroad and took in 30 daughters from abroad for his sons. And he judged 
Israel seven years, and then died Ibzan and was buried at Bethlehem. You say, well, why is that significant? Well, that's a lot of kids for one thing, right? Uh, 30 sons and 30 daughters and then uh, 30 uh, daughter-in-laws. That's a lot of children. But it's because Jesus is the one who will judge the earth. And Jesus is from this town, uh, according to Revelation chapter 19. Uh, He's going to be our judge. So a judge of Israel is associated with Bethlehem. Then there's a Moabitish woman. We've studied the book of Ruth. And a beautiful story of Ruth has played out in the town of Bethlehem. It was in Bethlehem that Ruth the Moabitess found redemption from her pain and her past. She found grace and mercy and love and acceptance and restoration and hope and family and future, all in the place called Bethlehem. The one born in Bethlehem is the one who provided salvation in its fullest for all who will receive him, according to John 1 and verse 12. The salvation found in Jesus promises all the, uh, found in Jesus promises all the things that Ruth found in Bethlehem as well, and much more. We also notice a shepherd boy that was associated with Bethlehem. It was here in Bethlehem that David, uh, the subject of our current study here in Sunday school, uh, the young shepherd boy who was anointed king over the Isra- nation of Israel. Uh, it was at Bethlehem that the shepherd of our souls, the one who found us wandering on the black hills of our sins, was born. It was here that the good shepherd was born. It was here that the great shepherd was born. It's here that where the chief shepherd was born. So it's significant that a shepherd boy be connected with Bethlehem. A fourth one would be a weary soldier. It was thought of... Uh, of a drink from the well of Bethlehem would refresh the soul of David during day of battle. We'll get to that in our study of David, Second Samuel 23. Again, when Jesus was born, uh, a well was given to men. Everyone who drinks from this well will find that their thirst is quenched for all eternity, just as the uh, water of life that was uh, offered to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And then there was an amazing prophecy connected with Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the focus of an amazing prophecy by the prophet Micah, here that we read uh, as our text. The prophecy is the focus of what we're talking about today in Micah 5 and verse 2. There was an amazing miracle. Uh, Bethlehem witnessed the most amazing miracle that the world has ever seen. Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, God in the flesh was born here. And I will say more about that in a moment. But then the wise men uh, is a seventh connection. Uh, Bethlehem was where the wise men found the child Jesus, offered him their worship and their gifts. And they still, wise men still seek him so that they can love him and worship him. So Bethlehem has a storied history. And what a story it is. So it's a story of a place. Secondly, it is a story of a plan. A story of a plan. Micah tells us that the story of Bethlehem is, a, is about a place, but it's also about a plan. Uh, the words, out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is the ruler in Israel, find him 
in Micah 5.2, that tells us that God had big plans for this little town of Bethlehem. And uh, we'll just take a few minutes here to examine God's eternal plan. First, it uh, is an informative plan. An informative plan. When man sinned in Eden, God gave humanity the first glimpse of his plan. He told Adam and Eve that a Redeemer would be born someday down the line. We read in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This Redeemer would defeat the devil. And as the years went by, more and more of God's plan was revealed. When God saved his people out of their bondage in in Egypt by the blood of the Lamb, in Exodus chapter 12, he revealed a little bit more of his plan. Uh, When he gave them the manna and brought water from the rock, he revealed even more of his plan. When he gave Israel the law and the sacrificial system, he was revealing his plan. Every aspect of the tabernacle, the priesthood, and the sacrifices revealed more and more and more of God's wonderful plan. And through the mouths of the prophets, God gave insight into this plan. When Isaiah wrote about the virgin birth in Isaiah 7, verse 14, he was writing about the plan. And when he told us about the child that was to be born in Isaiah 9, and verse 6, he was writing about the plan. When he told us about the Messiah and the pain he would suffer in Isaiah 53, uh, he was writing about the plan. And so, Uh, Micah revealed the birthplace. He told us where the king would be born. Uh, He told us that one would fulfill the plan that would come from this little town of Bethlehem. And he was just merely revealing more of the plan. So it's an informative plan. Secondly, it's an involved plan. God's plan is an old plan. Ephesians 1.4 says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. 1 Peter 1 and verse 20, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world was manifest in these last times for you. In Revelation 13 and verse 8, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You see, God formulated this plan in eternity past, and he's carried it out in time. The plan involved God becoming a man. It involved him becoming to this world to live as a man. It involved him going to the cross to die for the sins of fallen men. Uh, It involved him rising from the dead and ascending back to heaven. It involved him returning to glory to rule and to reign on this earth someday. This plan is a good plan. It's a plan designed with you and me in mind. Micah didn't know all the details of God's eternal plan. He just knew that the king was coming. And the rest of the Bible reveals the other details of this plan. Thirdly, it's an inclusive, inclusive plan. I praise God that he included me in his plan. I trust you are as well. Before you and I... We're even in the minds of our parents. God put us in his plan. He loved us before we could, were even born and had a plan in place 
to save us. He looked down through time and focused His love and grace on our lives, and He sent His Son to die for us more than 2,000 years ago. And then when he, we, come, we came into this world, He worked all the details and the circumstances uh, of our lives to bring us face to face with the Lord Jesus. God had a plan. He made His plan. He worked His plan. He accomplished His plan. And I don't understand everything there is to know about His plan, but I praise God for it. The story of Bethlehem, the city of David, is about a place. It's about a plan. And thirdly, it's a story of a person. It's a story of a person. Micah closes the verses, the verse here in Micah 5.2 with these words, Whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. These words reveal the truth that this one who would be born in Bethlehem was no ordinary man. In fact, Micah tells us that while he was coming out of Bethlehem, he, he is eternal. He may be born in Bethlehem, but he will not have his beginning there. Notice it's a story uh, of a miracle. It's a story of a miracle. The story of Bethlehem is the story of a miracle. It's a miracle more profound than the healing of the leper, uh, the restoring of the sight to a blind man, the healing of a withered limb, the casting out of a demon, or even the raising a man from the dead, as we've been studying in John, the Gospel of John. It's a miracle more profound than even the resurrection of the Jesus Christ uh, from the dead. It's a miracle to which I refer to. The miracle which I refer to is that which took place when Jesus Christ was born. Born in Bethlehem. And then secondly, it's not only a story of a miracle, but it's a story of God becoming man. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, uh, we read about the, uh, how the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The story of Bethlehem is about God becoming a human. Now, he did not stop being God, nor did he merely add humanity to his deity. Uh, the theologians have a, a fancy word for this. They call it the hypostatic union. Uh, somehow God, by a miracle, placed himself into Mary's womb. He was born some nine months later, and when Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. She saw, she just saw a baby boy. Of course, she knew something about that already. In truth, she was looking at God in human flesh. Uh, John, again, we've already mentioned John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word, in verse 14, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Philippians 2, uh, verse 5 through 8, also gives us a wonderful description of it. In Philippians 2, it's a familiar uh, passage, but I think it's uh, well worth reading uh, once again. Philippians 2 and verse 5 
says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We cannot comprehend everything related to the incarnation of the Lord Jesus, but somehow God became a man. He was still 100% God, and yet he became 100% man. Uh, he was as much God as he has, uh, as if he had never been a man, and he's as much man as if he had never been God. He's a God-man. He experienced humanity in its fullness. Suffered. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He got. Uh, he knew loneliness. He knew grief. He knew uh, grew weary. He got tired. He slept. He wept. Uh, he was rejected and he died. And yet while he was absolutely human, he lived his entire life without committing a single sin. He didn't sin just because he was good, though he was. He didn't sin because he was God. Uh, he doesn't ask us to explain it. He just asks us to believe it and take it by faith. And so we put this into the context uh, here for a moment, when Jesus was born, the creator of the universe, he became instantly independent or became dependent upon his mother. It's amazing. Here, the bread of life needed the milk of his mother that his mother provided so he could live. The bread of life needed the milk his mother provided so he could live. Uh, the one who made the sun, the creator of the sun, and caused its light to heat the earth, needed his mother to wrap his body in swaddling clothes so that he might be warm. The one whose heart was so full of, for humanity that he left heaven to come and die for sinners needed to feel his mother's arms wrapped around him in comfort. And the one who made it all, controls it all, owns it all, laid it all aside and became a helpless infant because he loved us so much. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. It's a story of God becoming a man. It's also a story of reasons Story of reasons. Why did Jesus come to this world? Why would he willingly leave heaven and all, with all its glories to live in this sin-stained world? Why would he die for people who cared nothing for him? Well, the Bible, again, is filled with answers to those questions. Let me share with some of those reasons with you today. Number one, to reveal the invisible God. John verse, uh, chapter 1 and verse 18 says, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. In chapter 14 verse 9, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, Show us the Father. The reason was to reveal the invisible God. Secondly, to fulfill prophecy. Again, we've already 
looked at Genesis 3 and verse 15. We've mentioned that, and that was the first prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ coming to earth uh, to be our Savior. Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy Savior and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The Redeemer would defeat the devil. Another reason to make sacrifice for our sins. Hebrews 2.9, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And there are multiple other references in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, various other places. And you'll find there there, uh, these uh, reasons uh, that he made, came to make a sacrifice for our sins. Fourthly, to reconcile man to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. To reconcile man to God. Uh, Number five, to provide an example for believers. 1 Peter 2 and verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Number six, to provide the believer with a high priest. Again, the book of Hebrews talks about him becoming our, 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 or being our high priest. And uh, we don't need a high priest, uh, uh, another priest to go between us and God. We have the Lord Jesus Christ. And then number seven, to destroy the devil in his works. Again, Hebrews chapter two and verse 14 uh, uh, speaks uh, concerning this chapter uh, Hebrews two fourteen says uh, uh, for as much then as your children are partakers of flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death that is the devil number eight to destroy the curse uh, Romans five and verse twelve. Romans 5, verse 12, says here, Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. One of the reasons he came was to remove or destroy the curse. To heal the brokenhearted. Luke 4.18 is just one example of this. There are many other examples of this in the Gospels. To give abundant life, as we've studied in John chapter 3 and a number of other uh, places as well. John chapter 3, verse 36. Uh, To glorify the Father, John chapter 13 and verse 31. And then as part of our uh, memory verse this week, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 speaks of uh, a comfort to comfort us on our way to heaven. And so we have these few reasons really here when there are so many reasons that we could go on and on with uh, and find many, many references. Uh, Each one of these references could be backed up with many more scriptures as well.
Do you know in the final analysis, Jesus came to this earth in fashion that he did because he loved us. He wanted to give us a life, uh, to give us life as a ransom for our sins. He came because he cares about us. He came because he wants to see us saved and in heaven someday. He came because he loves us. And so there's uh, probably much more about this Bethlehem story that we could share. And I've only shared a small portion of that story with a, uh, with you today. There are parts of the story that will not be told until we're in glory. But the parts we have of that story need to be told again and again in the day in which we live. You think about God, what God did when he sent Jesus into this world to die for sinners. Ask yourself, do I believe the story? Have I ever trusted Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection for my soul's salvation? And am I as thankful for this story as I should be? I trust that uh, you'll take some time to continue to meditate upon uh, the story of Bethlehem, a story of a place, a story of a plan, a story of a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by a miracle came to this world, became a man, and we have many, many reasons why he did this. I might just say also it's interesting that uh, I just read one of the young uh, mega church pastors recently said, the virgin birth really isn't necessary. You don't have to believe in the virgin birth. I'm saying that man is destroying the very foundation of the gospel. Um, Jesus had to be born of a virgin. He had to be a sinless person. And... Uh, Otherwise, everything else is all wiped away. And uh, so it's a, it's a shame that there are those that are, are preaching to hundreds of thousands of people on a regular basis, but they're giving them this false teaching. I trust we'll stay with the Bible, stay with the Word of God. Again, we're done plenty of early, uh, so you can share some stories with one another as we uh, look forward to our uh, morning service as well. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, 